Um, hello and welcome um, to what I've unilaterally decided to call our collective cast. It's a podcast and it's about collective redress. So I'm hoping uh, that collective cast is, is going to catch on. Um, I am Lucy Rigby. I'm a partner at Hausfeld specialising in collective redress and I'm joined by two of our um, senior partners, Anthony Mayton and Nicola Boyle, both of whom are leading on some of Hausfeld's opt-out collective cases in the CAT to have a brief discussion about what the current collective landscape looks like and what the next few months will hold in terms of key cases and legal issues. Um, so Anthony, post-Supreme Court judgment in Merricks, we've seen a couple of cases filed. Um, the CAT's diary is looking pretty busy, it's fair to say. Yeah, I mean, I think those are the two. Everyone has been waiting so long for for Merricks, and and since Merrick, Merricks, as you rightly say, Lucy, I think two things have happened. One, you've had two claims out the door. You've had the, the BT claim and, and our Qualcomm claim, and secondly, as you say, you've just seen the cat diary fill, and we've now got four, is it, or five um, CPO hearings in the next six months. And I think certainly, if if you look at what we're doing and what I hear others are doing on the market, there are plenty more of these in the wings. Um, so I think this is going to be an incredibly active year for this regime, and we are definitely going to get claims certified this year. And I think, um, Anthony, what you'll see is now those finally being able to move quite quickly. So if you see the BT claim, I think the first hearing has gone in the diary within two months of that being issued. And we will move past this delay that's come from Merricks, which has had everything frozen for so long. Yeah, quite a pace. Yeah, and I think so. The, the first, um, the first CPO hearing is is going to be in the trains, collective cases, um, which is next week. Anthony, do you want to say a little bit about about those cases? Yeah, I was just going to say a little bit. I don't, not sure how well trains is understood as a claim. So I was just going to try and um, explain it um, as someone who hold, holds a Zone Two travel card. Um, so the way it works, if I hop on a train from. I think it's Charing Cross, it might be Victoria, down to down to Brighton. I mean, in theory, I've already paid for the journey to the end of Zone 2, so I should only pay for the ticket from the edge of Zone 2 down to, to Brighton. In fact, what happens, um, it, because it's virtually impossible for me to buy a boundary, what's called a boundary zone ticket, I, in fact, pay twice for the journey. So I've already paid for my journey to the end of Zone 2, and then I buy a ticket that takes me from Victoria to, to Brighton. So it's a, it's an action on behalf of all of those consumers um, who had travel cards and the like on southeastern and southwestern trains and have double paid over a long period of time um, for their train tickets. Um, and as you rightly say, the CPO hearing uh, is in the CAT next week, set for four days. Um, and the the defendant's response to the CPO hearing has been to apply to have the claim struck out. And I think it was it was fairly inevitable when one uh, read Merricks that you could see two obvious defendant tactics. One was to apply for strikeout because that brings the merits back into play. And the second is to play the opt in card. Uh, and I think when we get on to, to talk a little bit about trucks and FX, we'll see that. But on, on this one, the defendant card that's being played is to apply to strike the claim out. Mm -hmm. And so, so that's the first, trains is the first CPO hearing. They're also the first standalone claims um, that, that the CAT's um, hearing, but hot on the 
heels of the train CPO hearing, we then got the Merrick's CPO hearing, which is obviously the, the second time um, that Merrick's will be before the before the CAT. Um, and I think in, in that one, I well, I'm guessing all eyes are going to be on the um, on the interpretation of the test set by the Supreme Court. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, be, be good to hear your view on this as well, Nicola, but it seems to me in the light of the Supreme Court decision, um, and given what I understand, um, MasterCard saying that they're not going to challenge the rate, the ratio of that decision, it, it's difficult to see quite what the battleground is going to be on that to stop it being certified. I mean, I, I can see there are there, there's a lot of battleground after certification, but I but I do wonder whether actually the certification stage now will be quite straightforward. Yeah, I think that's got to be right, that there was obviously some questions about whether the scope of the claim might be narrowed, but off the back of the Supreme Court, it's certainly left MasterCard um, in a difficult position, I think, to stop the certification hearing. There is, I think, the new funding arrangements still to be considered. Um, and I think what you've seen now, um, Anthony, as you say, the... The, on on Merricks, there hasn't been the timing for them to bring a strike out or preliminary issues at this stage. Um, but I think that is they've signalled is their next step if it gets certified to start to to look at some of those issues that you're seeing already on trains. Yeah, because you always remind me that actually that claim is is more complex than people think it is because it's uh, if I remember I remember you telling me I mean it's both standalone um, to a large extent and and umbrella. Correct. Yeah, I think it, it's based on the original commission decision, but which relates to cross-border um, interchange fees. And so it's it's relying on the causative effect that had on the UK interchange fees, which is, of course, the primary thing that affects UK consumers. So I, I think that's where we're going to expect MasterCard um, to put a lot of its firepower. Um, also, of course, there's some very interesting issues still to be grappled with between particularly relating to pass-on, where you've got ongoing retailer claims that are coming to trial. The Sainsbury's hearing will go back to the CAT in the autumn, um, dealing with some of those points. So there'll be an interesting interplay between the two and how the CAT will manage those. There yeah. are plenty of bones to pick over. <laughs> <laughs> and, then we've got, and then we've got the trucks claims, the trucks collectives, of, of, of which there are two. Um, there's the claim being brought by the Road Haulage um, Association and also that brought by the, the UK TC. Now, the, um, you've got uh, well, a number of issues that I think we could talk about on those, but, but behind it all, you've got the, the issue with the funding um, in theory, which is this point that's gone to the Court of Appeal. Yeah, so this is this is the the, the, the challenge to the um, LFA, the funding agreement, saying that the funding agreement is in effect a, a DBA um, uh, because it comes under the DBA regs, and that you can't have a DBA on a CAT collective. Now that was roundly rejected by the CAT, but it is, as you say, it's it's in the Court of Appeal. Um, I and mean, I think most people don't expect it to succeed. Um, but it is a, obviously a critical issue for the regime, because if it were to succeed, I think it's fair to say the regime would automatically fall flat on its face. Yeah, and I think it's fair to say, Anthony, the challenge has been taken in trucks, but would affect probably all of the collectives um, and, and indeed third party litigation funding across a much, much wider spectrum. Yeah, um, but they, I mean, any way these claims ever run is with a funder involved, and that was recognised right at the start of the jurisdiction. So it would be, be a slightly odd conclusion 
if in fact you can't fund the claims. Um, we'd, we'd be back to the sort of world of football shirts and the like. Yeah, and, and there's obviously the interesting dynamic on on trucks on the opt in versus the opt out and the two different claims. Um, so perhaps the first opportunity where we're going to see that the cat having to grapple with that issue. Yeah, I think that is going to be really interesting because there they've got they've got an opt out in front of them, they've got an opt in in front of them, and it's unclear. I mean, can you actually certify both of them? Could you have an opt out and an opt in? Do you have to choose between the the, the the two of them and decide that that one is better than the the other um it's it's difficult to know but that's i think that's going to be very interesting and of course on trucks as well you've also got um you've also got classes of businesses um yes so that's that's slightly different and that's something an issue actually which which um which comes up in fx um as well yes i think the the last of the schedule, uh, well, the, the, yes, it, which is in June, is the FX hearing, mm-hmm. and on FX, the defendants are playing the sort of the classic second card that comes out of Merricks. Um, there are two competing actions, one brought by us, one by Scott and Scott. Um, on that case, both are put as opt-out actions, um, but the defendants are saying, no, 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 these are not suitable to be opt-out actions. They should, in fact, be opt-in actions, notwithstanding that there isn't an opt-in option on the table at the moment. And, of course, from a defendant perspective, um, there are two rationales behind that, I think. First of all, you can bet that if you get an opt-in class, it's going to be a damn sight smaller than an opt-out class. And the second is it allows you under the Merrick's um, decision to bring the merits back into play because it's one of the exceptions under the rule that allow you to say, well, we can talk about the merits of the case um, on an opt-in when we can't on an opt-out, um, which is quite slightly interesting on FX because you haven't the, the claimants haven't tabled an opt-in. The defendants have tabled an opt-in that isn't available and they're using that to talk about the merits of the case. And the merits of the case not not changing between the opt out and the opt in claims. So it's no. a it is a very sort of it sits at odds with the merits sort of principles of of what you're going to consider at certification. Yeah, and I think what FX is will see therefore is you know is a consideration of um, assuming the defendants can run these arguments is you know what what allows for an opt out and what allows for an opt in and is it simply about the size of the businesses who are bringing claims, because there's no doubt in FX that within the class there would be pension funds and investment funds and and the like. Um, But we would say that doesn't mean it's not suitable for an opt-out class. Um, You know, what one has to look at is what are the size of the claims and the practicality and difficulty of of bringing them Um, when looking at at the regime. The defendants obviously take a very different approach to that, but I think it will give us um, quite a bit of clarity around what sits in the opt-out bucket and what sits in the in the opt-in bucket, um, with the possibility for some appellate action on that, I suspect. And I think it's right, Anthony, isn't it? Because when you read the Merrick's judgment, there's a sort of attachment to consumers versus businesses. Yeah. But that's not necessarily a sort of fair distinction if you're looking at what is the realities of whether these claims could be brought. So if you take the trucks example, where you've got a very large number of SMEs um, that owned one or two trucks, it's, as we've seen, it's only the very, very big companies that are bringing their own independent trucks claims. 
Um, and so I think it's going to put, put you, it's, it's going to be not just are they a business and can they therefore bring their own claim, but looking at the reality of bringing a competition claim and what that involves and the, the costs as to whether it would in fact be brought absent. Yeah, yeah well, exactly. I mean, as I say, just, just because you're the, you know, a, a very large business doesn't mean that necessarily you have a claim that you can bring easily or practically or indeed on its own is, is, is worth it. Um, so it partakes of a, of a collective claim. And it's also, to your point, I mean, if you go back to the legislation, it obviously doesn't make any distinction between businesses bringing claim and consumers bringing claim. And it, that was talked about in the consultation. And it's also against the background, if you look at what the cats had to, or the courts have had to grapple with in the interchange claims, with 400, 500 claims having been issued, um, you can't resolve those individually. And so um, the reality is you need some sort of collective mechanism that's going to work in, a, in an efficient way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think even in the sort of trucks um, own claims, the court have had to recognise that to some extent because they've got a sort of batting order for claims. Um, um, so, you know, some are front of the queue and some are behind. So, the, you know, there's an element of effectively group case management around, around those, um, which is good. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot on the agenda, Lucy. A lot, a lot on the agenda, and the and the cat's going to be going to be very busy. But I think it's fair to say that um, you know all this is is pretty exciting. Um, post Merricks, you know, we are seeing a an expansion um, at the at the rate of knots. Um, you know, no doubt there'll be further cases filed. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say on a sort of closing coda is you know FX June, nothing in the diary at the moment after that. But I will bet my bottom dollar that it'll be a very busy autumn. Uh, in the in the cat as well as more collectives get filed through the spring and into the summer. Yeah, no doubt. Well, maybe we can um, reconvene, uh, <laughs> reconvene, have an, have another discussion um, in a in a month or a couple of months time. And, and yeah, um, we'll, we'll we'll hopefully was it collective cast? <laughs> yeah, but you you know if it's not called that on the, on the second of the series, then you'll know I've been. Over <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I look forward to picking over the bones of these decisions as they come down the track through through the rest of the year. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Beth. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Lucy. Thanks, Nicola. Bye.